Hey everyone, and welcome to the April edition of our monthly leadership podcast. Uh, can you believe it's already April? Easter is around the corner, and instead of just giving another maybe how to grow as a leader or three things every leader should know, what I wanted to talk about is something that every single one of us needs to address and deal with in our lives, but especially leaders. And it's I wanted to talk about freedom and how to be free and stay free from the traps of the enemy and the traps of our past. And this is something we talk about a lot at Victory and even more so at our forward classes. And so this is just kind of a forward plug. If you haven't had a chance to go through forward, it is an expectation for every leader, especially department heads within Victory to have gone through the four forward basics and forward weekend classes. Um, So on the subject of freedom, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about two areas of freedom that we tend to struggle with even as Christians. And so this will get a little deeper, maybe a little heavier than some of our normal sessions, but I feel like now's the time to sort of get your minds thinking, get your hearts turning on these subjects. One is iniquities, and the second is inner vows. And when you talk about iniquities, when, when you talk about things that are strongholds in our life, uh, we go back to Deuteronomy. So in Deuteronomy 6, it says this, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I've given you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about who you are at home and who you are on the road, who you are going to bed and who you are getting up. Tie them to your hands, wear them on your forehead. That's a reference to the Jews would wear scripture boxes on their on their forearms, on their hands. They would wear scripture boxes on their heads. Write them on your doorposts. There are scripture boxes that you could buy that can go on your doorposts and on the house and on your gates. So there are two commandments here that I want you guys to see. One. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. Um, You are not prepared to lead unless you have a dependency on the Lord and a real relationship with God. You can't lead anyone closer to Jesus unless you have a total dependency and an actual relationship with him. In Genesis 1, it says that God came to Adam and Eve and put his image in them. And the commandment he gave them was to go and multiply. We are the image bearers of God, but we're the image bearers of God before we're called to multiply the kingdom. Our number one responsibility, the number one responsibility of a leader is to show the character of God to those they lead. And then secondary to bring them into a higher calling. We focus a lot on bringing those around us into a higher calling in leadership and position and roles. But our primary responsibility is to be the image bearer of God. God commands us to love him with all of our hearts, all of our soul, 
all of our strength and then to multiply. But in order to do that, in order to sort of accomplish that, we have to get over iniquities. Iniquities in our lives are things that our parents or someone in authority did that we picked up tendencies toward. Um, If you study out iniquities, iniquities can be uh, reckless anger, substance abuse, chauvinism, sexism, physical abuse, racism, bigotry, verbal abuse, immorality, pride, sexual abuse, negativity, dishonesty, perfectionism, materialism, divorce, gossip, um, unforgiveness, greed, uh, conditional love. These are all iniquities that we have either seen displayed and we've picked up some of those traits along the way. So if you're trying to figure out if you have iniquities, and I've never met someone that did not have an iniquity in their life. I've never met someone that didn't have an iniquity working in their life. So if you are wondering if you have iniquities in your life, then just ask yourself, um, were the things you were exposed to growing up biblically sound and morally correct? Did you grow up in a, in a godly family? Did you see conflict resolved in a healthy way? Did, did your fan, family handle money correctly? Did they treat others with respect? Were their attitudes toward the opposite sex, sex healthy? Um, what were some of the attitudes towards submission to God and submission to his word? What were the attitudes toward children? What were the values that you learned growing up? And the bigger question is, do you now practice some of the same things you didn't agree with or you didn't like when your parents did. So if we have these iniquities in us, there's a few ways that we can break free from them. So how do we break free from iniquities? The first thing is just to realize it's a sin. Hey, I've got pride going on in my life. I've got uh, substance abuse. I've got negativity. Uh, These just aren't, hey, that's just the way I am. No, these things are a sin before God, and I've got to do something about it. Uh, Number two is just take responsibility and repent. When we see that it's a sin, we need to bring it to the foot of the cross and ask Jesus to take it away. See, life does not form me. My responses to life is what forms me. No matter what happens, I am always able to rise above it. I can't blame my parents. I can't blame those around me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a victim. I am a victor. I don't have to sit in the shadow of what I saw or sit in the shadow of what I learned. I can make my own decisions about who I want to be and who I will allow God to turn me into. If we know that we've grown up with materialism in our lives, then we can take responsibility and repent and ask God to change that need for stuff into a need for him. Take responsibility and repent. Uh, Number three, forgive your parents or whoever you learned these tendencies from. See, when you forgive those that exposed you to sin, you have taken the first step to be free from that sin. 
forgiving them and blessing them. See, when you've got bitterness towards uh, the person or the people who were in authority over your lives that expose you to these sins, to these iniquities, when you have unforgiveness toward them, it's almost like you have an, un, you have an invisible umbilical cord tied to them, even if they're no longer involved in your life. You will never be free and healed until you forgive them. Number four, submit that area to God. When you see it's a sin, submit that area to God and say, God, I want you to take my, my, my life, my, my words, my mouth, my thoughts, my morals. I want you to take all of it and I want you to place it under your word so that everything I do and everything I say is submitted to you, especially in this area And the last thing is to break that thing off of your life in Jesus' name. Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I break this iniquity off of my life. I break it off of my children's lives. No longer does this have a place in my life. No longer does this have a place in the generations that are coming after me. See, again, I've never met anyone that didn't have an iniquity, but every one of us have the ability to be free from them. And so switching gears, uh, I want to talk about inner vows. So that was iniquities. Um, Inner vows are sort of the opposite of iniquities. If an iniquity is something that we were exposed to externally, an inner vow is a self-directed promise resulting from an unpleasant experience or a hurt from a parent or someone else in authority. It's, it's something that we generate from the inside. An inner vow is sort of a, it's sort of a comforting mechanism. It's a way to, to comfort ourselves. And here's some examples of inner vows. I'll never treat my children like that. I'll never spank my children. I'll never make my kids wear hand-me-downs. I will never be poor again. I'll never make my kids work that hard. No one is ever going to treat me like this again. I will never let my husband, I will never let my wife treat me like that. See, it's something we do to make us feel better. We don't mean it to be a bad thing. We mean it to be a comforting thing. There's something comforting about saying, I'm not coming back here. This will never happen to me again. See, the problem is inner vows are unscriptural. In Matthew 5, 33, it says, Again, you have heard, and it is said to the ancients, Do not break your oath, but fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all between heaven or earth, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor should you swear by your head, for you cannot make a single white hair grow or grow black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more comes from the evil one. 
See, Jesus says, whenever you swear on something, it's from the evil one. Like, that's a big statement. It's from the evil one. Why? Why is an inner vow, why is making a declaration evil? Listen, because when you make an inner vow, you become the Lord of that area in your life. And Jesus isn't. An inner vow completely rejects the lordship of Jesus. When you say, I'll never be poor again, guess who is no longer the Lord over your finances? When you say, I'll never let someone hurt me again, guess who is no longer the Lord over your relationships? Whatever area you make an inner vow is evil. Because we don't have the right to be the gods of our own lives. Jesus paid too high a price for us to determine we got it from here, at least in this area. Inner vows cause us to separate ourselves from the lordship of Jesus. And as leaders, that is the very definition of who we're supposed to be, submitted, teachable disciples of Jesus. And, and that's one thing that an inner vow does. When you make an inner vow, it causes you to be unteachable. It causes you to overreact and to be unteachable in that area. Any area that you have an inner vow working in, I guarantee you are unteachable. You're unteachable, you're unapproachable, and you're probably just a little crazy. Just, just, a, just a little crazy. Uh, I'll give you an example. Didi and I knew this couple and they called us over because they wanted us to do some, some premarital counseling. They were getting married in a few months, but things were getting a little, things were getting a little rocky. So uh, we came over to the house and we're, we're talking with them and she, she starts and she says, well, we got these areas that he won't let me talk about. He calls them the, the, the no touch areas. And were these are the, the, the off-limit topics. That's what he called them. So we, we, these are the off-limit topics, and we can't really talk about those. And I look over at him, and I said, well, what are the off-limit topics? And he's, he's, starting to, he's starting to squirm a little bit. And, you know, she starts to bring up, well, you know, we can't really talk about this. That's an off-limit topic. And we can't really talk about this. That's an off-limit topic. And, and he's starting to get more and more angry. And so I start asking him about it. Well, why can't she talk about this topic with you? Because you know, as a married couple, there's no such thing as an off limit topic. And boy, let me tell you, he got hot. I mean, he got red hot. Something like you wouldn't believe. And so I start poking at it some more. Okay, but what about this area? Well, why can't she talk about that? Well, is there something on there on there that you don't that you don't want her to know about, he loses it. He stands up with us at the table. There's four of us at this table. He stands up, screams at the top of his lungs, and then tries to tip the table over while we're sitting at it. He couldn't do it because he was kind of a scrawny guy. So he just sort of puts his hands down, smashes his hand on the table and says, it is time for you to leave my house and points at the door. And I look at him and was like, well, look, who's a little crazy. 
okay, then I guess it's time to go. And I turned to her and I said, is this the man that you want to be married to for the rest of your life? If not, then you need to you need to leave when we leave. You need to run. Um, eventually, they did break up in glory to God. And but what we didn't know till later is that when he was growing up, he grew up in a bitter and abusive home where his mother and father would just fight and fight and fight. And he had made this inner vow. He had said to himself, when I grow up, my wife will never fight with me like that. And he had made this vow to himself that what he saw would never happen to him. Any area that you have an inner vow in, you are unteachable and unapproachable. And so let's talk about how to break these inner vows uh, as, we, as we wrap this up. And there's really two ways, two steps to breaking inner vows off of your life. Number one, recognize them. When did you make that promise to yourself? What happened to make you respond by saying, no one will ever treat me like that. No one will ever hurt me like that. This will never happen to me again. Because you didn't turn it to God, but you turned it to yourself. That's a sin. It's an inner vow that you need to repent of. That you need to change your thinking. You need to declare that it is wrong. God, I've been, I've been a chauvinist. I've been a sexist. I've been a racist. I've, I've, been, I've been living this life because I thought that this was the way I had to live so that I could protect myself. But now I know that it's wrong and I, I need you to help me and I need you to set me free. Two, forgive. Whatever happened, whoever did it, forgive them and forgive them right now. Forgiveness is so often tied to our freedom. It's so often tied to our healing. When you refuse to forgive, you often refuse to allow the Lord to do what he wants to do in your life. When you break the cycle of hurt, when you break the cycle of pain, when you break the cycle of unforgiveness, inner vows are destroyed. So if you've got an uh, iniquity working in your life, if you've got an inner vow working in your life, you are allowing the enemy to hold back from you everything that God wants to do in and through you. And as a leader, is that not our primary objective is to allow the, the, the God of eternity to operate through us, to be his image bearer so that we can truly represent so that we can truly represent who Jesus is to those around us, to our family, to our community, to our friends, to our children. And so you can be free because we're called to lead others to freedom. You can be free and you can lead others to freedom and you can create a blessing of generations behind you and what God wants to do through you. 
the blood of Jesus is the most powerful and complete cleaning agent in the universe. And it works for us and it works for those that hurt us. So as we go into April, as we go into Easter, how much more can the Holy Spirit do with a leadership team that is free from hurt, that is free from curses, that is free from iniquities, and that's free from inner vows? So I pray that every one of you are set free. Every one of you experiences complete freedom and you allow the Holy Spirit to do everything he wants to do in you and through you. So hopefully something I've said, something the Holy Spirit has said through me helps you to lead like Jesus. Mm -hmm.